I want you to go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. That's where we're going to be this morning in God's Word. Now, uh, as many of you know, one of my favorite pastors, one of my favorite writers is Dr. Tony Evans. And uh, Dr. Tony Evans preaches the Word of God, but he's also been gifted uh, to write. And he has written many, many great books. Uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, when a book by his comes out, I buy it, I pre-order it, or either I go get it the day it comes out. And uh, I read it. It usually only takes me a couple of days uh, to get into it and read it. Um, He's probably best known, as far as his books go, he's probably best known for his kingdom books. And those of you uh, who read Dr. Tony Evans, who know Dr. Tony Evans, know that he wrote a book years ago called Kingdom Man, uh, talking to men about how to be the men of God, uh, that God has created us to be in our homes Uh, in our churches, in our workplaces, in our communities. He also wrote a book called Kingdom Agenda. It's what God is all about. It's what his message is all about. Uh, He's also wrote a book called Kingdom Disciples. And that's really one of my favorite uh, of the kingdom series, the Kingdom Disciples. And and I want to read a quote from that book. Dr. Tony Evans says in Kingdom Disciples, a kingdom disciple can be defined as a believer in Christ who takes part in the spiritual development process of progressively learning to live all of life in submission to Christ Jesus. And then he says, the goal of a kingdom disciple is to have a transformed life and to replicate, I love that word, to replicate God's kingdom values in the lives of others. And here's the thing, that word replicate, it means to do the same. It means to look the same, to to speak the same, to move the same. And if we want to replicate, as Dr. Tony Evans says in his book, if we want to replicate God's kingdom values, all we have to do is listen to Jesus and look at Jesus. That's it. That's all we have to do. You say, Brother Jeff... What does it mean to be a kingdom disciple? Look at Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Brother Jeff, how can I serve in my home? How can I serve in the church and be all about God's agenda, God's kingdom advancement? I'm going to tell you the same thing. Look at Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Live like Jesus. Love like Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. Mark chapter 6, it is a picture of of kingdom advancement. Not everyone will receive the good news about Jesus Christ. In fact, many uh, will reject the good news of Jesus Christ. We see it in the Bible. Uh, We continue to see it in our world today. I want to tell you something right now. Kingdom advancement, it's not an easy task. You might say, sign me up. And be on fire about being signed up for this ministry or that ministry. But what you're going to find out real fast is you're going to find out, you're going to find out a truth that Jesus told his disciples. The world is going to hate you. And the world is going to hate you because the world first hated me. And so kingdom agenda, God's kingdom agenda, God's kingdom advancement is not for the faint of heart. It's not an easy task, but I'm going to tell you something. For the Christ follower, it is a worthwhile calling. It is a worthwhile responsibility 
And I'm going to tell you something, it's a worthwhile blessing. What an awesome, awesome blessing to be a part, to be a part of what God is doing, not just in this world, but what God is doing for all eternity. Think about that for just a moment. As a Christ follower, you've been invited to participate in what God is doing. Not just sit around and watch what God's doing. No, to be a part, to participate in what God is doing. Another, uh, one of my favorite writers is Bruce Larson. And Bruce Larson uh, wrote a book called Setting Men Free. Listen to what he said in his book. He said there are times, and he's speaking to pastors, he's speaking to ministers, but I believe it applies to everybody. Listen to what he says. There are times when the pastor's task is not enviable. I suppose that's what Vance Havner had in mind when he was the first to say that our job is to comfort the afflicted and on occasion afflict the comfortable. Yeah. He said, I would rather do the first even though there are times I have to do both. In his book, he reminds pastors that yes, one of your responsibilities is to comfort those who are afflicted. But he said, don't miss the responsibility to afflict the comfortable when needed. That's a good word. I believe we're going to see that in Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. I want to start out in verses 7 through 11. Look at what the Bible says, Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 11. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. What a powerful passage of Scripture. We we see some incredible truths just in this short passage of Scripture. Number one, Jesus called them to himself. Do you see that? Jesus called the 12 disciples to himself. We've already seen this in Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Do you remember what it said? It said, calling to himself those he wanted, right? I love that. Calling to himself those he wanted. Notice that Jesus didn't need them. It's actually better than that. Jesus wanted them. And what did he do first? He called them to Himself. They were called to just be with Him. After they were called to be with Him, to spend time with Him, to be intimate with Him in relationship, then He would send them out. They would go forth for Him. And I find that amazing. I find it amazing that Jesus would call us to Himself, invite us to come and sit with Him, and just be in relationship with Him personally and intimately, and then to trust us, right? To trust us and entrust us with the same message and the same ministry that he's a part of. That's incredible to me. I hope you never get over that. I hope I never get over that. I hope I never get numb to the fact that Jesus called me to himself. But Jesus sent them out. Do you see that? 
He called them to himself to be with him, to be in intimate relationship with him, but Jesus sent them out. They were sent out as his representatives. Paul uses a word in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, he says ambassadors, right? We, We are his representatives, we are his ambassadors, and an ambassador represents the king and the kingdom. An ambassador doesn't represent his own wishes and his own desires. He represents the wishes and the desires of the king, of the kingdom he or she represents. And so that's who we are. We we are God's representatives. We are God's ambassadors. And so his agenda should be the agenda that we surrender to and the agenda we line up with. And I love this because how did Jesus send them out? He called them to himself, and how did he send them out? He sent them out two by two. two. That's right. Thank you, brother. Didn't we see a demonstration of that already this morning? Brother John and Misty came up and and talked about a ministry that God placed on their heart. My my brother Letlow, he came up here this morning, and he introduced his wife, a partner in ministry with him, two by two. And that's so good. Listen, the the Bible tells us and biblical scholars tell us that there's a benefit of going two by two. The the, the initial benefit, and I would say the the earthly mindset benefit, is that it's encouragement and support. Encouragement and support. Isn't that what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes? Right? Two are better than one because they can what? Help each other. Okay? So, So there's encouragement, right? And there's support. I thank God for the encouragement and support my wife gives me in the ministry that God has called us to. I thank God for my deacon brothers who, who, who God has placed us together in ministry to support each other and encourage each other. That, that's an awesome blessing of, of being sent out together. I would even spell together T-W-O, right, instead of T-O. <laughs> together. I love that, but I'm going to tell you something. There's something else going on here that Jesus is very aware of, and Jesus is going to make sure they understand. In the Jewish society, and we see this in Deuteronomy chapter 17, we see Paul reference uh, this same principle in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. This was actually a requirement of the law. To go out two by two would fulfill the requirement of the law because two witnesses were needed to verify a matter or information being shared. And so we see a double blessing in this. Uh, That's why Jesus sent them out together. He sent them out two by two. We also see that Jesus didn't send them out in and of themselves. No, Jesus empowered them. I love this. He empowered them to serve. They didn't go forth in their own mindset. They didn't go forth in their own physical strength. They didn't go forth in their own authority. No, they went forth in the power and the authority of God through Jesus Christ. It was Jesus who appointed them. And what does the Bible say? It says, gave them authority over impure spirits. I'm going to tell you something. This wasn't just a, a taste of power. This wasn't just a taste of authority. This was the same power and the same authority that Jesus practiced and exercised in front of them all this time. Do you remember when Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee? 
What did he do on the other side of the Sea of Galilee? Somebody tell me. He preached the message. And what else did he do? There was somebody there that was demon-possessed. The demon said, my name is Legion, for we are many. What did Jesus do to that man who was demon-possessed? He cast that demon out. He cast that demon out. He cast that demon into a herd of pigs, and they jumped off the cliff into the, into the abyss. That was power and authority that Jesus practiced. And I'm going to tell you something. That's the power and authority he gave his disciples. It wasn't just a little bit. He gave them full power and full authority. He empowered them to go, to go forth with the message of God, to go forth with the power of God and the authority of God. Not only that, he didn't just empower them, he instructed them. I love this. Jesus instructed the disciples how to serve. First, we see that they were only to take what was essential. Did you notice that? Just take your staff. You don't need extra food. You don't need extra money. Listen, you don't even need an extra shirt. Jesus instructed them to take what was essential. Why? Because they were to depend upon Him. To depend upon God. To depend upon the Holy Spirit. To rely on God for everything they would need in every place they would go. Not depend upon themselves, but depend upon God. I'll tell you what this is. This is all about growing and going in faith. Growing and going in faith. I'm going to tell you something. You may come to me and say, Brother Jeff, I just want to grow in my faith. If you want to grow in your faith, then go in your faith. If you want to grow in your faith, then go in your faith. Go where God calls you to go. Say what God calls you to say. Do what God calls you to do and don't look back. Don't go in fear. Don't start doubting. Don't start questioning, well, do I have enough money? Uh, do I have enough wisdom? Do I have enough information? I'm going to tell you something. If you got Jesus, you got all you need. That's it. You don't need a college degree or two or three of them. If you got Jesus, you got enough. If you want to grow in your faith, then go in your faith. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus made it very clear in my mind right here. This was not about being comfortable. This, this was not about being comfortable. I'm going to tell you something. Churches today, they better be careful because they're all about comfort. We want the temperature just the way we want it. See, some in this room are a little cold right now. Some are a little hot. I'm going to tell you, get over yourself. I need to get over myself because ain't nobody in here as hot as me right now. If you got a head that looks like mine with no hair on it and you got these lights right here shining on top of it, stand up with me. Right? I'm going to tell you something. We need to get over ourselves and how comfortable the pew is or is not or how hot it is or how cold it is or if we're going to have food on Sunday night or not. Uh-oh, I'm preaching. I better stop. Jesus made it very clear, didn't he? I'm going to tell you, there's no way to mess this up. There, there's no way to look at this any other way. It was not about their comfort. He even said, when you go to a house, stay in that house. You want to know why? Because they may have been tempted to look around and say, well, that house looks bigger. Hey, hey I, I, see a, I see a cow in their yard. They're going to have some fresh milk. No, Jesus said, whatever house you go to, you stay in that house until it's time to leave and go to the next place. It wasn't about comparing 
which house is bigger and which house is better and which provisions. Hey, they serve a steak over there. I don't want this ham sandwich. I'm telling you, Burger King, I want it my way right away. It wasn't about their comfort. You know what it was about? It was about humble obedience. Those are two words we really don't like, especially when you put them together. It was about humble obedience. It was about God's plan and God's timing. Jesus has already shown them this. He, he showed them this in their home, in his own hometown, right? Not everyone is going to receive you. As a matter of fact, many will reject you. They will reject the message that you preach. And he says something very interesting, and you saw it right there. He said, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. You can look at that, and, and you can have all kinds of interpretations. You can have all kinds of thoughts about what he was saying there. But I'm going to tell you something. This was not about being rude to people. This was not about being hateful to people. This was not saying, no, you're wrong and I'm right. You need to do this and you need to... No, 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 that's not what this was about. And that's not what Jesus meant. I'm going to tell you something. You know what this was? This was a merciful act. This was a merciful act. This, in Jewish society, was something that they practiced daily. See, when a pious Jew traveled outside of Israel... What they would do is when they would come back into Israel, they would shake the dust off their feet to disassociate themselves with paganism and uncleanliness. It was also a a sign of divine judgment that awaited people who rejected God. In other words, this is one more opportunity to understand that your reception of or your rejection of the message has for you. If you receive the message, if you receive Jesus Christ, you are forgiven and you are free. But if you reject the message and you reject Christ, the judgment of God will be upon you. It wasn't about the messenger being judgmental. It was about the message of judgment of God. That's what it was about. It was a merciful act. That's what it was. I love Dr. David Jeremiah. He says this, this was an act of cleansing themselves whenever and wherever the gospel is preached, both salvation and judgment will follow. It depends upon the response. Did you hear that? Wherever and whenever the message is preached, salvation and judgment will be present. It's all about the response. If you receive the word and you receive Jesus Christ as Messiah, as Lord and Savior, it's about salvation If you reject it, it's about judgment, God's judgment. Jesus wanted his disciples to be prepared for both of these realities. Some will receive, but some will reject. And they had seen it with their own eyes. You know, it reminds me, we just got out of this thing called March Madness. And uh, you you may or may not know this, but I'm I'm a North Carolina Tar Heel fan. I've been a Tar Heel fan since I can remember. Uh, Brother Andy and I always had this thing when somebody asked me to paint, it's usually going to be baby blue unless you ask for a specific color. Like that's just my go-to color. I'm going to go get that baby blue. I just am. That's, I love the Tar Heels. I'm going to tell you something else. I love, their, I love their head coach now. He played for them, Coach Hubert Davis. But they had this guy named Roy Williams, okay? And, and he followed up uh, another great coach, uh, 
you know, Dean Smith, but I love old Roy Williams. And Roy Williams will tell you, I'm just a country boy from Carolina. That's all I am. He said, I don't know a whole lot, but I do know some things. He, he said something one time, and, and I wrote it down, and I had it, and I thought, ooh, this goes good with what we, just, what we just read in Scripture. Listen to what Roy Williams said. He said, if the mailman stopped to kick every dog that barked at him, he would never get the mail delivered. That's pretty good, isn't it? I'm going to read it again. He said, if the mailman stopped to kick, to kick every dog that barked at him, he'd never get the mail delivered. See, what Coach Williams found out was, even though he could win so many games, and even though he could win three national championships, there were people that still doubted him. There were still people that didn't like him. There were still people that were against him. Right? He, he understood that, but here's what he said. He said, you know what? <laughs> if I stopped and kicked every person that was against me, I'd never get done what I'm supposed to get done. And I'm going to tell you something. In ministry, we can get caught up with fighting with people on Facebook. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm meddling, huh? Another message, right? I see good Christian people all the time pouring out all kind of wrath and all kind of judgment on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all these, all these social medias because somebody says something they don't like or something they don't agree with, or, or something that they didn't interpret the way that person interpreted. Hey, listen, I'm going to say what I said earlier. Get over yourself. Just get over yourself. Are you God? Am I God? I'm going to tell you the answer real quick is no. You're not God, and I'm not God. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm an ambassador of God, and I'm a representative of God, which means sometimes even when I think I'm right, I don't have the right to just say anything or just do anything. The the measuring device, the scale there is, does this glorify me or does this glorify God? If you want to know whether to keep your mouth shut, if you want to know whether to just dust your feet off and go on to the next place, all you got to do is ask this question. Does this glorify me or does this glorify God? Because I'm going to tell you, Facebook would look a whole lot better if we asked that question and responded rightly to that question. All those places. I'm going to tell you what, the stores. Those little places of gossip would be a whole lot different if we asked that question before we respond to everything that's out there. And I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to Jeff. This was a hard word for me to chew up and digest. See, when I think about these instructions Jesus gave his disciples, I I can relate to what Coach Williams was saying because you know what? I spend a lot of time kicking the dogs that bark at me when what I should do do is just shake my feet off and, and leave the message that God gave me for them and go on to the next. If the word is rejected, move on to the next place and the next people. So we know what Jesus said. He called them to himself. He said, I'm going to send you out two by two. I'm going to give you the power to do what God wants you to do for his kingdom advancement. And listen, I'm going to even give you some instructions. So how did the disciples respond? Well, I love this. Look at verses 12 and 13. It says, they went out. Don't you love Mark? He don't waste no time. That's what I love about Mark. See, I preach long sermons, but Mark, he preached short sermons. You probably say, nobody wants to say amen. So that means I can preach as long as I want. you, You had your chance. All right, look at at verses 12 and 13 with me. It says, they went out and preached 
that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. That's what they did. I love this. The disciples went. They went where Jesus sent them. Humility and obedience, hand in hand. Uh, Those are two words that I believe should characterize every one of us as Christ followers. Too many times, you know what our attitude is? Hey, Jesus, go with me here. Hey, Jesus, go with me there. Hey, Jesus, help me do this. Instead of, hey, Jesus, where do you want me to go? Hey, Jesus, how do you want me to serve? Too many times we got that Burger King mentality. As we see in these disciples, they were humbly obedient. Jesus gave the marching orders, and they humbly obeyed him. They went. Not only that, look at what happened. The disciples preached the message that Jesus taught them. They heard what Jesus said. Do you remember what it said in Mark chapter 1? Jesus' very, very first message was, repent and believe the good news. That was his very first message. And he kept on preaching that message. Listen, the disciples were with him. They heard this message over and over again. And what does it say? They preached the message of repentance. They, they preached the message, right? The good news that God loves you and God has given you the opportunity to turn from your sin, to turn from self and believe in the Messiah who is Jesus Christ. They preached the message. That's the message they preached. Not only that, they didn't just preach. You know what? They did a little bit more than that. Let me, let me rephrase that. They did a whole lot more. They exercised. I love this. They exercised the authority and the power that Jesus gave them. Not only did they hear what Jesus said, they saw what Jesus did. Right? They, they saw what he did and how he did it. And as ambassadors of God's kingdom, his extensions, if you will, these disciples exercise the same authority and the same power of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question. Are you exercising the authority and the power of Jesus in your life today? In your home? In your workplace? In your school? Are you doing it in the church? If you are, amen. And if you're not, what's wrong? You know what I find? I find many times people that don't have, let me rephrase that. I, say I'm an English teacher. I always have to think about what I'm saying before I speak. I always find that people that have a problem, a challenge of practicing authority and power, it's not about the authority and the power being available. It's about being receptive and responsive to it. You know what we do? Well, I don't have the right to serve like that. I I don't have the background to say those kind of things and do those kind of things. You know what we do? It becomes about us. It becomes about our own knowledge and our own strength and our own experiences. Jesus, he told his disciples, hey, go and do this. Go and do this. The, the, The authority and the power was available to them. They had to choose to believe it and exercise it. And I love this because the Bible said they did it, right? 
Look, look at it again. What does it say right here? It says, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out. What's the word right before demons? Many demons. Not, not one or two, not a few. Many demons. And then it says they anointed, what's the word right before sick people? Many sick people. I don't know about you, but many's more than few. Many's more than some. Many's a lot. Are we seeing this kind of exercise today in churches and in Christ followers? And if not, I'm going to tell you something. It ain't God's fault. It ain't the Spirit's fault. It's my fault. And you may not like this, but it's your fault. It's our fault. If we're not seeing God's power and authority over the church and the community he's placed us in. It's not God's fault. Because the same power is in the same person who indwells us. Jesus Christ. I want to take a step back. Just for a second. I want to ask a few questions and I want you to think with me for a minute. I I wonder what the disciples must have felt like. Let's talk about these things called emotions and feelings. Because here's the thing. They're real. They're real. If you got it, it's because God gave it to you. So let's talk about these emotions and these feelings. What the disciples, what do you think they felt like when Jesus said, hey, y'all come sit down with me. Come, come sit down with me. Come be with me. Well, I wonder what they must have felt like when, when, when Jesus said, hey, walk with me into the synagogue. What, what did they feel like when they heard Jesus, the word become flesh, preach the word? Can you imagine what that must have been like? I wonder what they must have felt like when they saw with their eyes Jesus perform miracles with power. He speaks with authority. They hear it with their ears. He he performs miracles with power that no one else has. What must they have felt like? What must it have felt like when, when Jesus gave sight to the blind? What must it have felt like when Jesus called the lame to walk? What must it have felt like when Jesus said, Lazarus, Come forth. Little girl, get up. Resurrection. What must it have felt like? Listen, I wonder what it must have felt like just a few moments before. If you look at Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, I wonder what it must have felt like when they were standing there and listening to Jesus preach and the people said, "Uh, Hey, brother, come with us. We're going to take you over to this cliff and we're going to throw you off of it. What what did the disciples feel like? I I ask that question a lot. when I see Jesus interacting with his disciples. And here's the truth. The truth is, I don't know. I, I don't know what James felt like, what John felt like. I don't know, you know, I don't know what these followers of Jesus felt like. I don't know, you know, what Matthew felt like. I, I don't know what they felt like. But I'm going to tell you this. I do know what this passage tells me. This passage tells me they obeyed Jesus and they crossed every T and dotted every I. They did it exactly the way Jesus said to do it. They went, they preached, and they exercised. See, the disciples obeyed Jesus. And in obeying Jesus, they became a part of God's kingdom advancement. I I want you to think about those two words for just a moment. Kingdom advancement. Whose kingdom are you advancing in your life right now? Whose kingdom? That's a real easy answer. Because it's really only two. 
you're either advancing your kingdom or you're advancing God's. In how you look at other people, in how you listen or don't listen to other people, especially how you talk to other people and how you touch other people. Whose kingdom are you advancing? Dr. Tony Evans in that book, Kingdom Disciples, he goes on to say this. The disciples were not just sent out to build a church. No, the disciples of Christ were sent out to exercise dominion, authority, and power. Jewish leaders got angry with all of the apostles in Acts chapter 4 when they came to them. They could not keep these these apostles quiet. They jailed them, then they whipped them, but these disciples, these apostles, kept on preaching Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, there were only 120 of them, but they were serious about Christ. They were serious about paying the price of kingdom ministry. They were serious about enduring any pain and any inconvenience that came with being kingdom disciples. Maybe, just maybe, the reason we don't advance God's kingdom is because it's a whole lot easier for us and a lot more comfortable for us to advance our own. See, because if I were to ask the question, how many of you like things to come easy for you rather than difficult? Most of us in this room would say, yeah, I'll take the easy, right? I mean, I'm going to tell you something. You may know this, especially some of you. That was some good crawfish we ate yesterday. Whoo, that was good. I, look, I was just a scooper. That's all I was. I, I just scooped it and put it in a bag. That's all I did. I looked over there and I watched some of those guys who were doing it, who were like, who were there hours before I was there and who were over there in the sunshine, right? And, and with the heat, I saw them doing all that. Hey, listen, I, compared to them, I just, I had an easy little job there. And compared to me, if all you did was sit down at the table and eat, you had it easier than I did. If we're not advancing God's kingdom, maybe it's because it's just so much easier for us and more comfortable to advance our own. But I'm going to tell you something. If you belong to God, if you belong to God, you no longer belong to yourself. You no longer represent self. You represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. See, to be a part of God's kingdom advancement, you've got to be a part of God's kingdom. To, to be a part of God's kingdom advancement, you've got to be a part of God's kingdom. Another reason why maybe you're not advancing God's kingdom is because you're not a part of His kingdom. It's hard to be an ambassador or representative of something that you have not surrendered to. So many people, we call, I look, I do believe that we can burn out, but I believe many people burn out because they never were really a part of it. Again, that's another message for another day. I I hear of Christian artists and Christian, so-called Christian artists and so-called Christian people saying, "Uh, I I no longer have faith. No, you you didn't have it. You didn't have it. That's my opinion. You didn't have it. So to be a part of God's kingdom advancement, you've got to be a part of God's kingdom. And, And here's the truth. To be a part of God's kingdom, you must repent of your sin and you must believe in Jesus Christ. If you do not repent 
of your sin and you do not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are not a part of the kingdom. I don't care how many churches you've joined. I don't care how many times you got wet. I don't care how much money you give to the Gideons. I don't care how many ministry teams you've been on. If you didn't repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are lost. You are lost. And you are not a part of the kingdom agenda and the kingdom advancement. You just think you are. So I'm going to tell you right now, the plan of salvation, it is simple, but it is not easy. Hear me again. The plan of salvation that is presented to us in the Bible, the Roman road as some will call it, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, we can go on and on, Romans 6.10. We, we can talk about all these scriptures. Listen, the plan of salvation, it is simple, but it is not easy. And I'm going to tell you something else, it is not comfortable. The discipleship, right? The plan of discipleship, which is what Jesus was doing with the disciples. It is simple. You just look at Jesus. You just listen to Jesus. You just walk as he walks. You just talk as he talks. You just do as he does. The the plan of discipleship, like the plan of salvation, it is simple, but it is not easy. You want to know why? Here's why. Jesus tells us in Luke's gospel. He tells us in Matthew's gospel. This is what it is. If you want to follow me, you must first. Anybody want to help me? Deny yourself. How easy is that? See, some of my men yesterday that were there cooking, they played a, played a really bad game with me. They brought donuts. Yeah, you know who you are. Brought donuts. Not only did they bring donuts, they had the lids open, right? It's one thing to have a box sitting there and you can tell yourself, oh, that box is empty. That box is empty. It ain't got nothing for me. It's another thing to walk in and the box be wide open and them donuts be just yelling at you, hey, I'm yours. You ever tried to deny yourself? I'm just asking. Have you ever tried to deny yourself? How, how easy was that? You, and, and, and here's the thing. Maybe you got it right that first time. What about that second time? What about that third time? What about, that, what about all day long denying yourself? Anybody ever tried to diet? I, I, I don't do that. I just don't because I don't like to do things I know I'm going to fail in. Jesus says this, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. And then he says this, take up the cross daily. I'm going to tell you something. The cross, is not, the cross is not some pretty piece of jewelry you hang around your neck and go, ooh, ah. The, the cross represents dying to self, right? Not just denying self, but dying to self. The cross, let's talk about what it is. In Rome, it was the the supreme, right? The prime death sentence. So here's Jesus again, right? Salvation and discipleship. If you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. You must take up the cross daily. And then he says, follow who? Me, right? He didn't say follow Jeff. (laughs) He didn't say, Marty, you just follow yourself, do what you want to do. No, he says, follow me. Now think about this. Jesus went to his hometown knowing they rejected him once, knowing they would reject him again. That's where he went. Jesus went on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, right? We've already seen that. He went to the other side. You think the disciples would have done that on their own? They already said, what in the world are we doing? Where are we? Why are we going over there? 
We, we already know what they were thinking and what they, what they thought about the process. But again, thank God they humbly obeyed and got in that boat and went where Jesus said to go. How do, we, how do we advance God's kingdom? Here's how we advance God's kingdom. We say yes to Jesus, personally, intimately. Say yes to Jesus through humble repentance and belief. How do we, how do we embrace discipleship? How do we embrace being a part of God's kingdom advancement? We rely on Jesus for everything. We rely on Jesus. We rely on His wisdom. We rely on His strength. We rely on His provisions. God, you're just going to give me the words I need to say. You're just going to give me the things in this world that I need to make a difference in this people's lives or in this people's lives. God, you're just going to do it. I know you are. I've been saved by grace through faith in Christ. And I've been discipled by Christ himself. I've looked at him and I've listened to him. I'm going to tell you something, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to go wherever you want me to go, Jesus. I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. Will doubts come up? Will fears come up? I'm sure they will. And guess who I'm going to give them to? I'm going to give them to Jesus. You want to know why? Because he wins every time. He conquers my doubts and he conquers my fears every time. Are you a part of God's kingdom? And if you're a part of God's kingdom, are you a part of the advancement of that kingdom? I hope so. I'm going to tell you something. One thing I know about Start Baptist Church is that you are a loving, loving church. You are a serving church. And as your pastor, I want to say thank you. Thank you for surrendering to God's agenda. Thank you for serving in the kingdom the way he's called you to. We can always use more. Amen, Start for Baptist Church family? Amen. So come on.